The following is a sermon from Gila Valley Baptist Church, and we pray this message strengthens your relationship with our Lord and Savior. We're located in Gila, New Mexico, and to learn more about our ministry or how to support our ministry, please visit GilaValley.org. What Paul puts before us is so, so important. For those of the individuals in the church at Rome and those who grew up in the Jewish faith, Paul's going to present that Jesus' atoning work is the only way to have right standing before God. And so if you turn one page over into Romans chapter 4, and if you want to study that later this week, we would see that even Abraham was justified by faith, not according to his Works, And we'll see that referenced in today's text as well. But what we're studying today is the most important thing that we could ever know. It's more important than what we learn at school. It's more important than even what our mothers have taught us, our fathers have taught us. It's more important than anything else in the world. Because what we're learning today is what we believe about salvation. And what we believe about salvation changes everything in the world. In Romans chapter 3, in the beginning and middle verses, we saw some terrible news. Some absolutely terrible news for the human race. And what we believe about men is that men and women are sinful and they need Jesus. That's what we believe. That's bad news is that we are wicked and we can't have right standing before God on our own. But the good news comes here, starting in verse 21. And so, maybe you've heard it said, hey, I have bad news and good news. And so last week was bad news, and this week is the good news of salvation. To again, to put this into more context, good news is not just for Jesus. Whenever a royal individual would go and they'd say, Heary, 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 I have good news from the king or good news from this specific tribe or good news from this city. And so good news of Jesus Christ was proclaimed from tribe to tribe, from church to church. And so when they come, they know the bad news. They know that they are not meeting the expectations that the law has set out before them. But when they come and they say, hey, we have good news from King Caesar, or good news from this individual, or good news from this individual, that's something that they in their culture would have heard all the time. And so when the church hears there's good news from Jesus Christ, there's good news from the Messiah, or there's the gospel. If you don't know, the gospel is not an English word. The gospel is translated good news. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to see today is that if someone doesn't take our punishment, that's the bad news. We, we understand we have a punishment that we have to pay. But if someone doesn't take our punishment, then we are still under God's wrath. Let's pray before we study God's word. Dear Father, I pray that you'd be so kind to us this morning that your word would pierce our hearts. Father, that these holy scriptures would convict us. Father, that we would see how desperate we are 
in need of a relationship with you and that we can only have that relationship with you through Jesus' work on the cross. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So something else unique to this passage because there is so much to discuss and so much spiritual meat we have actually broken up the text into sub-verses, and so sometimes when we're studying in Sunday school or anything like that, we would see that, hey, we're going to be in verse 21, and so if you see today, we're going to start in ver verse 21, part A, and then we're going to discuss part B. And so I'm going to read verse 21, part A here for us. God's word says this, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. This is God's intervention for us. But now, this is the most important but in the Bible. Remember, we knew that we were sinners, and we're told that we're sinners in earlier verses of Romans chapter 3, but now... The righteousness of God, the perfection of God has been manifested. It has been created apart from the law. So the law is no longer the measure of our salvation. We have a dreadful condition here and we see that we have glorious hope. This is God's gracious intervention for us. In our sin, we see God intervening on our behalf to rescue us from to come. I love basketball. And we live and serve in an amazing basketball community. And so as we were able to watch a game in person for the first time this year, the last game of the season, that was such a blessing. And as I'm studying this text, I, I, I'm thinking about the intervention that God has to rescue us and how often are we trying to play the game of life on our own? And we just have Jesus sitting on the bench. We have our best player on the team sitting on the bench. And salvation comes through Jesus coming and saying, Hey, Jesus, I've been trying to fight this battle on my own. Hey, Jesus, I've been trying to win this game on my own, and right now I'm down by like 60 points, so would you come and rescue me? Would you intervene on my behalf? And Jesus is the best basketball player of all time, right? But he's also the greatest rescue of all time because he has victory over death, which is so much more important than a basketball game. And so maybe someone needs to give up control this morning. Just, Jesus, I have been fighting these battles and I know that I'm losing. And Jesus, I need you to have victory. This is the intervention that takes place as God has intervened to rescue us from the wrath to come. Let's look at verse 21, part B through 21A. I'll read God's word. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. 
This is the doctrine of justification. And if you attended Sunday school this morning, we understood and we learned about the doctrine of justification. If you happen to write in your Bibles, you can see or circle or underline here eight times either righteousness or justification is mentioned throughout this passage. It dominates the passage. So go ahead and circle or underline either righteousness or some form of righteousness that's mentioned or justification that is mentioned, but it justifies and it dominates the passage that we are studying this morning. We are justified and that allows us to be right with God. It is through faith Verse 22 says, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Would we say that as a church? For all who believe. One, two, three. For all who believe. Salvation is through faith. We are justified through our faith in Jesus Christ. And it's not just our faith, but it's faith for all who believe. There is no distinction. How can we be made right before God on our own accord? We cannot, but through our faith in Jesus, we can. This is the difference between human achievement versus the divine accomplishment that Jesus fulfilled on the cross on our behalf. See, if we're continuing to live in a way of the law, trying to follow the law, trying to meet our uh, way to somehow have a right standing before God, we will fail. It is only through the divine accomplishment of Jesus taking our beating on the cross for us that we are justified. It's not about following a set of religious rules as a means to save ourselves. That's not the gospel. And so many churches and so many denominations would tell you that it is. If you follow a certain set of religious laws or traditions, then you will be saved. That's not the gospel. That's not good news. When we understand the good news, here's a testimony that I'll read for you this morning from a gentleman named Mike Bird. In my short time as a follower of Jesus, I've had people tell me that in order to be saved, I need to speak in tongues, partake of some sacrament, only read the King James Bible, subscribe to a certain confession, believe in a specific diagram of the end times, jump through a dozen other hoops that seem to serve the purpose of validating the ranting of some lunatic with an opinion and a desperate desire to force it onto others. Fortunately for me, I was well discipled by Christian leaders and attended churches where the pastors were committed to biblical preaching, so I never got suckered into the Jesus plus stairway to heaven. But sadly, many do. It is not Jesus plus. It is not faith in Jesus plus a whole bunch of religious laws or traditions that we need to follow, but we are justified through faith in God. The gospel is what God has accomplished for us in Christ Jesus. It is not about how we can achieve right standing before God on our own. Let's continue reading 
Verse 24, part B says, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We are redeemed through Christ Jesus, through the redemption of Christ Jesus. His grace is a gift. It's not something that we can be earned, but we are free. In fact, the origin of the word redemption in its first time that it was used would be a release of prisoners from war. We see this in the Exodus account, Exodus chapter 4, where believers are freed from slavery. But maybe some of us need to be told that we are slaves to sin right now. We are slaves to sin and we are redeemed through the blood of Jesus and we have been bought with a price. How amazing is that, that we are redeemed and we are forgiven and we are free of our sins. So we're no longer a slave to sin, but we are a bondservant to Christ. And so all of these religious laws and traditions get thrown out of the window. I was a slave to those things, but now I am free in Christ Jesus. That is good news. So many churches would focus on behavior modification. You have to dress a certain way. You have to act a certain way. That's not what the Lord wants. Behavior modification is not what the Lord wants. The Lord wants spiritual transformation. He wants us to be spiritually transformed by this gift that we have received, where again, we're no longer slaves to our old way of living, but we live for Christ because of the spiritual transformation that has taken place in us. And all of us are at different spots and different journeys in that spiritual journey. And so may we not put a list of rules on one another, but may we understand that we are obedient to God and that continues to unfold. We are redeemed through the death of Jesus on the cross. The important thing about this is that God was willing to do it. He was willing to pay the price for your sin and my sin to free us from it. But the most amazing thing about this is not only his willingness, but his ability to do so. He's able to pay the price that you and I cannot pay. He's able to have the perfect lamb of God slaughtered on the cross for our payment. This is God redeeming us. The first part of verse 25, I'll read it. It says, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. We see that by the blood of Christ, we are made into the family of God. This word propitiation is hard to pronounce. Maybe some of us have never even heard it before. And a lot of Christians struggle with this idea. Propitiation is a pleasing the wrath of God. And so as Jesus was dying on the cross, there had to be a payment. The wrath of God had to be shed on Jesus because of our sins. 
And he had righteous anger in doing so. And the wrath of God will either be spent on Jesus on the cross or on us if we do not accept him and his salvation. As a pastor, I often get the question, and maybe you've asked the question, or maybe you have had someone ask you this question, why in the world would bad things happen to good people? It's a fair question. But if we understand what Romans chapter 3, the earlier verses say, we would know that there is no such thing as a good person. There is no such good thing as good people. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. He reminds us that again in verse 23, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. There is no such thing as a good person. We deserve the wrath of God. We deserve damnation. And so anything that we receive on earth is a blessing because he's sparing us and continue to showing us mercy on his behalf. And so this idea of propitiation is flipping that question upside down. And so I would ask you, why in the world would a bad thing happen to a good person? And we know that the only good person is Jesus Christ. And there was a terrible thing that happened to him on the cross. The wrath of God and its just anger was sped on the cross so that you and I would have an opportunity to receive this gospel. Some of our translations may translate propitiation different. In the Christian Standard Bible, it's translated mercy seat. And if you've ever played the game mercy with maybe a sibling or a family member, at some point you cry out mercy. You cry out mercy. And as Christians, we've cried out mercy. And we've said, God, I can't do this on my own. And so would you come, the pain that I can't bear, would you come and pay that price for me? Would you continue to sit under the wrath of God so that I don't have to? This is us subbing Jesus into the basketball game that we talked about earlier. This is propitiation. The wrath of God will either be spent on us or on Jesus because of us. In the picture of the cross, we see that as Jesus was paying the punishment, it was motivated, motivated by the love that he has for you and I. We know that, and we understand that. Jesus died because he loved us, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But it was motivated also by the justice that was due. Someone has to pay the price for our sin. And it was Jesus that paid the price. And so the act of the cross, we see the love that's shared to each and every one of us. But we also see the justice that is served. Those who reject Christ are the target of God's wrath. Those who know Christ Jesus, and for Christians, we know that Jesus Christ took the punishment that we deserve. And so again, I'm going to ask you that question. Why in the world would bad things happen to a good person?
person? Why in the world would a bad thing happen to Jesus on the cross, who was the only good person? And it was so that you and I may have an opportunity to receive this salvation. And then we see the demonstration of this in the second part of verse 25. To be received by faith. Continuing on to verse 26, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of those who has faith in Jesus. We see this in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 and it will be on the screen. The demonstration of this. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Would you underline or circle the word show or shows? It was to show his righteousness at the present time in verse 26 so that we might be just his righteousness in the second part of verse 25. This was to show God's righteousness. He is demonstrating on our behalf the cross, the gospel. We see a word here, divine forbearance in scripture because of his divine forbearance. And so again, Paul was very good at understanding what the Jewish rulers and the Jewish hypocrites and the Jewish Pharisees would come back before him and, and try and have this conversation with him, this theological debate. And so he is talking again referencing what he's going to address in Romans chapter 4 with Abraham being saved through faith. And so I'm going to read this. It says, as a propitiation by his blood to re be received by faith. And then we pick up here in the second part of verse 25. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. And what he's telling the Jewish people is because of the divine forbearance of God, Old Testament believers had faith in Jesus coming. And so the wrath of God wasn't necessarily shed uh, on those behalf because of the forbearance, the divine forbearance of God. And I had to look up this word forbearance. What in the world does forbearance mean? Some of us are asking. And today we use it as a mortgage term. And so if you're defaulting on your mortgage or you need help paying your mortgage, you can make a forbearance agreement with your mortgage company. You will pay the price for your mortgage, but we can give you grace until the time that you were able to pay or until a payment is made on your behalf. But eventually they will foreclose on that house. But the forbearance is the time period, which we see here, is the Old Testament time period where God's wrath didn't have to be shed on Jesus on the cross. There was a divine forbearance where Old Testament believers would pay later. But we know through faith in the promise of that payment of Christ is how we are saved. God didn't overlook sin in the Old Testament because he was fickle or forgetful, but because he is kind and patient, desiring people to repent, and because he planned to act on the cross. God didn't mess up. 
He didn't need a second part of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, because he made a mistake. No, in the beginning, God knew that he would send his son to save us. And he has. Here's a quote from Tim Keller. I will read it for you. God is both the judge who cares enough about the world to set standards and hold us accountable to them and the justifier who has done everything necessary to forgive and restore us. He is the father worth having and he is a father we can have. The cross is where graciously and liberatingly we see that he is just and the one who justifies just for those who have faith in Jesus. And at the end of Tim Keller's quote is actually what we see here at the end of verse 26. So that he must be just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. God is just. There is a punishment that is due. Don't pay the punishment on your own, but allow Jesus to pay that punishment on your behalf. This is salvation. The word salvation means we are being saved. And we are being saved from the wrath of God, but God is just. And so he will, in his righteous anger, allow for punishment to take place. But as Christians, we believe and we are saved because we believe that Jesus took that punishment on our behalf. And so if you're not a believer this morning, and if you are hearing the gospel proclaimed, the good news, and you know of your sin, then at the end of service today, would you come forward and would you ask for forgiveness of that sin? Would you confess with your mouth and would you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that he raised from the dead? God is both the judge and the deliverer. He pardons and he punishes. Both can be seen at the cross. So the question is, what does this imply? Or what are the implications of this text? And so if you're an unbeliever, would you just bear with me for a moment as I address verses 27, verse 31, specifically written to those who have received the gospel. God's word says in verse 27, Then what becomes of our boasting, it is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of law. 29 says, Or is it God? Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And so for Christians, we understand that we have absolutely no reason to boast. What in the world would we boast about? If we understand our sin 
and that we cannot earn salvation and right standing before God on our own. But it is Christ that has paid that price for us. And so as we continue to serve the church as faithful believers, it's not about who does more or who does less or how much someone gives or if they don't give enough. We can't boast about those things because those things don't save us. It is Christ who saves us. So there is no reason to boast. And there is no discrimination of who can receive this gift. Both the Jews and the Gentiles, those in the church and those outside of the church, can receive this gift. Oh man, you, you're coming here this morning and you don't dress a certain way or, hey man, I know about your criminal record. No, the gospel is good news. And so because you haven't sinned the way that they sin doesn't mean that you're somehow better off before God. We are all falling short of the glory of God. And we can't save ourselves by means of a work-based religion to have right standing before God. That's not good news. The good news is that Jesus paid that price for us. And so again, Paul foresees the argument and there's a difficult word here and if you don't understand this word maybe you can ask your parents on the car ride home but the Jews say what about us who are circumcised we made a huge sacrifice for this religion that we were following it was a difficult one and we were circumcised so that according to the Jewish law we could be saved he says it doesn't matter what you did. And so he uses this huge extreme of I've done that for the church. I do this for the church. I give that much for the church. And the Jews are saying, those of you who have even been circumcised, it doesn't matter because that doesn't save you. It is Jesus who saves you. And those of us who are uncircumcised, we are saved through faith in Jesus the gospel changes everything, not just vertical relationship with God, up and down, but also our horizontal relationship with one another. Because if we have no reason to boast, then there is no self-righteousness allowed in the church. Because at the cross, the ground is level. Because if we are a church that believe in what God's word says about salvation, then it is by faith alone that we are saved. Again, the main idea is that right standing with God can only come through faith in Jesus' atoning work. So I'm going to ask our band to come forward. And again, I'm going to talk to those of you who do not know Jesus. And so if you do not know Jesus, can I tell you this? Stop beating yourself up. Because Jesus already took your beating on the cross. And as you continue to sin and you continue to mess up, the Holy Spirit is re reminding you of how much you need forgiveness. And so in your pride and your sinfulness, you say that you don't need salvation. And you try and fight the battle against God on your own 
But right standing with God can only come through faith in Jesus' atoning work on the cross. So I'm going to say that again. Stop beating yourself up. Jesus already took your beating. Would you come forward this morning as our band leads us?